Hey guys, this is Jordan Schultz, and this is the Second Wind Podcast. Second Wind family, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Second Wind Podcast. Of course, I'm Gio here with my brother. Of course. My co-host, Jay Mills. You know what I'm saying? We tuned in, we locked in, y'all tuned in. And today, you know... We got one of the hardest NFL insiders in the world. Like, I'm talking, <laughs> this is somebody who really knows the game. You know, there's a lot of people who are, you know, work with these apps and, like, they're on TV and they don't really know the game. But if you follow his content, this is someone who dissects the game and he knows the game very well. Top notch. Top notch. And that's why he gets the best insider information. No. <laughs> no. Perfect, man. Glad glad to have you. Yeah, Usually Mr. you're on the other side. I am, yeah. 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 Jordan Schultz yeah. is so. on the show today, man. I appreciate you coming on, brother. Guys, it's my pleasure. I'm so excited to be on. Excited for you guys as you continue this ascension of the podcast game. And uh, it's a thrill to do it. So thanks for having me. Well, it's funny how life comes full circle because, like I was just saying, like I had you had DM me in 2019, man. Now I'm just sitting here doing you. Uh, what did uh, I you say? What you on did the I pod. Say? You were just. Uh, what up? What I up? hope you're. Uh, I think you said I hope you're excited for the new upcoming season. Yeah. We were just having small talk, but just like wow, in 2019. Now look at us. I got you on the podcast, man. Well, that's definitely a good segue because it is a relationship business. Yes, sir. The entire fabric of it is relationships. Absolutely. Um, on every side, you know managerial agent team and obviously from a you know journalistic insider standpoint yes sir for sure it's like i'm excited for this because you're usually on the other Other side side. you're usually talking about like you know players quotes like contracts all that teams gms like that's usually you and now people get to find out like you know who's jordan you know a little bit about thank you. you for sure well, thank you for the opportunity then oh, of course man. i'll just i'll just showcase myself yes sir <laughs> so just you know starting <laughs> off like early life you know you had a much different i did childhood than most people you yeah. know your dad being yeah. howard schultz yeah. you know the ceo of starbucks yeah. one of the biggest companies in the world um what was that like like i'm sure you were exposed to a high level of business like yeah. a high level of intellect brand building and just finding out different components about how to be successful so like what what was that like growing up and kind of seeing that transpire? I think my childhood, in terms of the access, was so – everything became so normalized to me by the time I was coming of age, like 14 to 16, that crucial age, getting into high school. I was so used to being around people of means. And it wasn't just successful people, but oftentimes it was celebrities, you know, uh, pop stars, athletes. And so – my childhood was shaped in many ways by those experiences. And because they were so normal to me, I think it has played a, a pivotal role in the career that I have pursued because being around athletes in many respects feels like this is normal. This is what I'm supposed to do. And I know I know how like when you're when you see a mega celebrity as a human, like when you see a Jay-Z or a Beyonce uh, when you see a Bruno Mars, someone that you watch on TV, maybe it's a LeBron, it's really easy to get intimidated or starstruck. And it's not that I, that doesn't happen to me, but I'm so used to being around people that are considered celebrities. Yeah. That from the from a young age, that you know people like these, I'm sorry, people like those th- those folks were in my home, and and I I think it normalized it for me. So. I bring that up because of the career path I have taken and how that's probably, I think it's helped me a lot. 
but also on the other side of it, uh, I'm so conscious of not trying to uh, come across a certain way. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I, I'm really, really focused, uh, or at least I was really focused for, for a very long time on how not to come across. And sure. Seattle, you know, I'm from Seattle, and we're in the Seattle. Right. 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 It rains all the time there. Jesus. <laughs> it rains all the time. Oh, my God. And I think for me, because it is a smaller town, especially when I was growing up there, like I was so conscious of my last name. Yeah. There was a time, and I haven't – I probably said this a couple times before, but there was a time when I legitimately considered, like, almost changing my name because I was so embarrassed by it and embarrassed. embarrassed by my dad's success and my parents' success. And, um, you know, my first car, I, I'll never forget, when I was 15 or 16, my dad was like, uh, all right, you, you're going to get a car. And uh, we went to the dealership, and it was a Jeep dealership. Because I, I wanted to get, like, a nice car, but I didn't want it to be crazy. Crazy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he was like, well, let's, let's go to the, uh, you, wanna, you, you know, what, what, are you, what are you thinking here? And I... I said, uh, he said, I guess there's this great uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee. And I said, yeah, that's that's a little too nice. We got to go the gr the Jeep kind of like ghetto version <laughs> right, right. with yeah, 70,000 yeah. miles on it <laughs> in, a, in a mess of clutch. Yeah. And so we ended up getting this like old beat up silver Jeep. And I'll never forget it because at my high school, which was a prep school, it, was, it wasn't a sleepaway, but, you know, it was a prep school yeah. and mm -hmm. really, really wealthy kids at the school uh predominantly white mm -hmm. class size was 50 really small and i didn't like a lot of what that represented and every kid i remember it really bothered me had a nicer t car than teachers mm. every kid That's had crazy. a mercedes or bmw aston martin audi i hated it damn yeah nobody had a ferrari and i was always like somebody's gonna get a ferrari yeah but you're talking about kids with quarter million dollar cars jesus and it really bothered me and i remember seeing the teachers drive off in you know cheaper cars that were older and then seeing the kids who they were teaching drive off in you know hundred thousand dollar cars and i hated that yeah. so i made sure that i was going to have a jeep because in seattle everyone felt like they knew everyone and i didn't want i wanted to break that trend yeah and i i remember one of my best friends who was not very uh well off had a had a really shitty like two-door honda accord that was totally broken down and 20 <laughs> years old and he said you know i really appreciate that you got this this jeep it's still better than mine but it, you're the only other kid in the school that doesn't have a really nice car and um that that stuck with me because eventually i did get a nice car when i got a little bit older but i remember feeling like this is this is like uh this is an opportunity for me to set a, an example a precedent and i was always really conscious of just like not wearing re really nice clothes and uh not having like the new kobe's or whatever whenever they yeah. came out the new the new the new jordans i was really conscious and it, it, i went the other way so much mm -hmm. i eventually i had to find an equilibrium i had to find a balance because it wasn't healthy what i was doing i was i was so ashamed of it. i mentioned embarrassed i actually became ashamed of it yeah. mm. and it was it started to really affect me and my relationship so at some point i had to go the other way i had to sit down with my parents and explain to them where i was coming from and then they were able to explain to me why there's it's okay to be proud of who who your family is absolutely absolutely and like you just displayed so much humility yeah. that shows the type of person that you are you know that i mean that's that's an amazing story about you and yeah your friend. thank you yeah i think um my parents because they didn't come from money my dad especially 
you know, from Brooklyn Projects, Canarsie. Uh, his his meal ticket actually was football. I don't know if you know this, but he got a football scholarship to play quarterback, and that's how he got out of Brooklyn. He was not a great student. He didn't. His parents were really, really, really poor. And my mom, uh, similarly in Ohio, and they actually met in New York City when they were both broke and living paycheck to paycheck. So I think for me, seeing how my parents made it and knowing that I was never going to have that, it, it affected me in a way that I wanted them to be really proud of who I was as a person, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a great it's, it's, it's a great perspective. It's hard to explain, though. Because, like, my parents, what, what they accomplished, and specifically my dad with Starbucks, like, that's, that's like a one-of-one, one, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. He's really, like, unicorny. And, and I realize that I'm not going to have that same level of success, especially financially. And, and it took me a really long time to come to grips with that. Going back to your... Uh, young days, yeah. you were a college basketball star. Yeah. Uh, no, not star. Star, man. High school nah, basketball it's okay. star. It's okay. You were first team all-conference, yeah, all yeah, man. Um, you know, you were doing your thing. How did you transition into, you know, sports is going to be my avenue when it's so easy to be like, you know, I'm going to take over the family business. Yes. I feel like anyone in that situation, business. the family yeah. business, you know, yeah. but sports was yes. your, first, your first avenue. How did you get into that? Like, who sparked that love for you? Definitely my dad. And I'm seeing it even now with my son, who's six, how – He's becoming obsessed with sports. I was the same way. And my dad introduced baseball, basketball, football to me, the, you know, the big three, when I was like six, seven years old. And I got really into basketball. And that was the path I took. And I realized I knew I was good enough to play in college. And I also knew that that was going to be the end. And I wanted to remain in sports, but I did not want to be an agent. And I didn't want to be on the team side. So the only other side was the reporting journalism side. However, I... I knew that at some point I was going to have to have this conversation with my parents about like not taking over the business. And so when I was probably about 16, I sat down with them and we had had conversations, but never really like a real big one where I was like, here's where I'm at. I I don't want to get into Starbucks. I want to go the opposite way. Like the media side, I don't even think they were expecting that. They knew I wasn't going to pursue Starbucks, but they didn't know it was going to be like a media thing. Right. So they were, but, but to their credit, they were really supportive and I'll never forget. My dad said, you know, I, this is, this is a good thing because if you do the Starbucks route, you're, you're never going to get out of my shadow that I've casted. And people are just going to assume that you're here because of me. And that's probably going to be true anyway, because you are here because of me. It just, it never was going to work for me, especially yeah. my personality, Yeah, you know, sure. wanting to like make it on my own and just like have um, your own Avenue. Yeah. Yeah. And the other part about it too was, my dad had so many connections mm-hmm. and but he 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 wasn't really well connected in the sports world like he knew people but he wasn't super connected in the sports world like he was with business you know in in, yeah. in, in Seattle alone you have Bill Gates Microsoft you have Jeff Bezos Jeez. Amazon and you have Howard Schultz Starbucks plus Boeing plus Expedia you, you have so many different outlets Nike's next door in Portland so yep. He, he had all these business connections, but I felt like the sports thing was a way for me to separate myself while also staying true to myself as, a, as an athlete. Yeah, you know, I was a good athlete. I wasn't a great athlete, and I felt like I, I had to work really hard just to play in college for four years. And if I, can, if I can use that mentality to pursue the sports journalism side, I love to write. I love being in front of the camera. And most importantly, I love the athletes. I love the, the relationships I felt like that camaraderie that I had had in college was was going to serve me well. When you were playing sports, like, did you ever still have like, oh, I still may take over fan, or you knew from the jump, like, I'm not, I'm not doing it. 
when I was probably, I think like just old enough to understand who my parents were. So like 12, 13, sixth grade, seventh grade, I think I realized I wasn't going to do it. E even if it wasn't a decision, I think I knew. Yeah. yeah. I think I knew because I just, I couldn't, I, I couldn't get over the fact that like this was being, it felt like it was going to be handed to me. Yeah. Like my whole life, you know how people say he was born on first base, second base? Yeah. Like, I feel like I was born on home plate. Like I, had, <laughs> I went around the whole. I, I went around once. Yeah. And if I do the Starbucks thing, then like, man, it's it's like cheating. But that's it, also it's not your fault. You're dinos. born with yeah, Grand Slam. For sure. For yeah. sure. But but it also wasn't my passion. I I always I often wonder if I if I was super passionate about the business and the and Starbucks. If I was really passionate, how much more complicated that would have been for me? Because mm. then it would have been a real issue if i really wanted to pursue it but i was torn then I'll, it would have been really tough for me um but I, I you know my dad exposed he did a, my dad and mom but in this case my dad did a really good job of exposing me i would go into the office a lot as a kid you know the office was 15 minutes from, from our house by downtown and i would go and i'd walk around and i'd see how people would talk to my dad and i just remember watching and feeling like the way that they interact with him the respect they had for him but also the fact that like uh, this is going to come across as uh, strange a little bit, maybe to the listeners, but I always would tell him. So I would see how much they respected him and how much they appreciated him. Mm -hmm. yeah. But I also felt like, you know, they were employees, you know, mm. and I, I it, oftentimes in my life, whenever things have gotten, whenever I've had issues with my parents, especially my dad, I've told him, you know, you have to remember I'm not an employee. Like, yeah. I don't. <laughs> You know, right. I don't work for you. <laughs> right, right. And these are, you know, we're, he's, we're both, I think, pretty headstrong. And my mom, being this, like, intermediary, has always tried to be, like, try to balance it. But the bottom line is when I saw how people would treat him, I didn't want I, – I guess I didn't want people to look at me like that, like that. you know, because right. yeah. I hadn't earned it the way that he had. Absolutely. He, he built the company for 45 years. Mm -hmm. That was never going to be me. So I think I always knew to answer your question. No, yeah, much respect. I, I feel like, you know, you as an insider, you ha you kind of have like a get it out the mud mentality. Yeah. You know, like you said. Which is like, counterintuitive to what we just talked yeah, about. Right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, but you have that mentality. You were like, I kind of want to go into sports because my dad didn't have that many connections. But your dad, I read an article about him where he got denied for Starbucks 217 yes, times. Yes. Right? So he kind of had that get it out the he mud did, mentality he really too. did. So, you know, it's kind of passed down to you. Do you feel like – your father really like kind of set that precedent and like yeah. you knowing his story was like, I'm going to get out the mud myself just like how he did. I, I really do. It's, it's, it's become more and more evident to me as I've gotten older too, how that was really important to them. And therefore as a kid, it was instilled in me that it was important to me. Like in other words, you know, he, you know, pe people see Starbucks now and, you know, 40,000 stores worldwide and however, approaching 180 countries, whatever it is, they, they've had so much success and the brand is so ubiquitous with like, with money basically. Right. Yep. You know, it, it's hard to imagine what it was at one point for him, which was in 1982, before I was born, they moved to Seattle, they had no money and he worked as a barista at Starbucks. So people don't know this. Starbucks was actually, I think they had two or three stores. He mm. didn't create Starbucks. What happened was he went and worked there because he fell in love with the espresso and coffee nature of Italy. He was on a trip working for a company called Xerox in Milan, and he was walking the streets, and he noticed how people were basically spending hours at the espresso bar 
throughout the course of a day and he was there for like a week and it was the same people every day and they were having real conversations and they weren't just taking their coffee and leaving it was mm -hmm. like a it's like a community yeah. and he wanted to bring that back to the u.s he he was such a visionary so what happened was he got back long story short he's working for starbucks he doesn't have the money to buy Starbucks, which was at $1.4 million. So what he does is he, he actually launches another company called Il Giornale, and they have a couple stores in Seattle for a year. He gets enough money together to do that. A year later, Starbucks now says, we're ready to sell. And he says, okay, I want the company because most importantly, I want that name. He, knew, yeah. he felt like the name and the logo, that siren, the mermaid, yeah. was super special. And he knew that no matter what he did, he couldn't replicate that name. Right. And so what he did was he started, he had to raise about a million and a half dollars. And he, he, he was, I think he was like maybe 400,000 short, which was a lot of money at the time, you know, mid eighties. And he started going door to door, pitching people in Seattle. Wow. Just door to door. Door to door. Forget the banks. Like. He was going, knocking at the <laughs> yeah. Howard Schultz. He had a big pitch deck. That's this is what crazy. I want to do. I want to sell coffee for $4 a cup, which was fucking crazy. Yes, <laughs> you know, in the mid-'80s. Forget now. Like, it's still a lot of money, but the mid-'80s, like $4 a cup of coffee. And they were like, are you out of your mind? He was really young. He was probably 27, 26. Had a, had a dream, had a vision. He had a vision. Yeah. And what happened was he, he had an unbelievable relationship with my mom's dad, who was just mensch of a man. Midwest values was the first person in Lyme, Ohio, very small town by Dayton, uh, to hire anybody, any minority, black, brown, Asian, anybody. And he hired everybody. And because he was so well respected in the town, the rest of the town follows suit and essentially desegregated over the course of That's 10 so years. Dope. That's fire. So he had this relationship with my mom's dad that was like beautiful. And this, this guy, he passed away when I was a kid. He was like, he was an unbelievable man. And mm -hmm. he told my dad, this is like probably 85 because I wasn't born yet. My mom was pregnant, 86. He said, uh, you need to quit this hobby and you need to take care of my daughter. Mm. And my dad broke down and was hysteric. Like he couldn't believe that he, the man he loved more than his own dad yeah. told him that. And he went back and he said, it's over. This is when he couldn't raise that money. Mm -hmm. And he had no salary for over a year. And he said to my mom, it's over. We're, we're going to, I'm going to move on. And my yeah. mom forced him. Oh, thankfully had the insight that's amazing. the foresight to say no you you have to see this through especially we moved across the country Man. she was five or six months pregnant with me and so and they had no money um and basically said that this is this is how it's going to be so okay so long story short i don't even remember your, your original question but that drive and that i guess commitment to your core belief i think really yeah. Stuck with me. Those yeah. traits. Shout out to your mom, mom. man. Yeah, that's a she real one. She oh, really my. is like really, the one yeah, who yeah, like Every fire. king every, needs his queen, man. 100%. And nobody, I don't think very few people know that story. He's talked about it, but it hasn't really like gotten the same amount of love. Like, no, that's, it's a, always, that's an amazing it's always story. Who's it's the man behind the man. In this case, the woman behind the man. And she was the one that really kept the dream alive when it was super, super on the verge of being Damn, over. Like you talk about that community back then, like, you know, just a couple people talking every day for coffee. And now you look at it and it's like there's a cult. There's literally a cult. No one wa no one wants to leave Starbucks. I'm talking every time to I go yeah, in it's there, like, OK, you can like no. Every time yeah. I go in there, it's like people doing homework. They're there all day. I used to date a girl. Right. And one time I try to go to another coffee spot like it was just like. I was just driving by. I was like, yo, let's go here. She almost ripped my head off. Not cheating. Don't no, cheat on no, Starbucks. Starbucks. Not cheating on Starbucks. Starbucks. But it didn't like, work out with... 
I mean, I still I go to Starbucks now because she oh, introduced okay. me to like Starbucks, and I was like, yo, yeah. this is fire. What's bro. the three <laughs> things you said? You said it was like home, kids, Starbucks. Okay, so it was home, it was home, and work. Work. And then Howard wanted my dad wanted to create a homework, um, basically ex- like a hybrid. Okay. Yeah. Like, so it was like you're at home, so you'd be talking to your friends, and you're at work, you'd be doing whatever it is you do at work. Well, now let's marry the two together at the uh like the local coffee shop that was yeah. essentially the, the the idea at the time before they you know before they expanded well, that's that's amazing so um just give us a rundown of like your your nfl insider career like what story really broke it for you yeah. like that industry wise mm-hmm. like you know kind of give us a rundown on how that happened i was um so i was at espn for three years and i was doing a myriad of things i was i was doing sports betting on espn2 i was doing college basketball features um actually wasn't even doing that much nfl almost none but what happened was as i was leaving espn basically i decided that um i couldn't do everything all at once i wasn't going to be able to do basketball and football and nfl and college it just it was too much for me and on top of that i was like you were always worried about the next thing because just as an example, you'd have like the NFL draft and free agency. Right. But then, then the NBA draft was coming and then NBA free agency was coming, but now NFL free agency is not really over and camp started. It was just, it was overlapping. And more importantly, the relationships were becoming too hard to manage. As I started, when I originally set out, I was okay doing basketball and football because I love both and because I didn't know that many people. Mm-hmm. So I was meeting people and I was growing those relationships, but there weren't that many relationships to harness mm-hmm. and grow. Right. Yep. As I got a little bit more established and I started meeting more agents and players and executives, I realized that it was becoming impossible to manage, let alone one, but multiple sports was yeah. really tough. It is a lot. So I decided literally like a year and a half ago um, that I was going to just do the NFL insider role and just really give it a shot because I kept I kept getting told from different people like, you know, Max Kellerman's a really good buddy of mine. Right. And he said, you know, people don't know what to do with you. Are you a journalist? Are you an insider? Are you an analyst? What are you? <laughs> Jack of all trades. Yeah. yeah. But at some point, that's a bad thing. It is a bad thing. You sometimes know? it was like a football player. If you're a utility guy, yep. and you you kind of just decent at everything. Yeah, I guess that's valuable, but it you're can man, also be hard. You're a man without a position. They don't you're, know where to put you. Right. You're just you're floating. Yep. yep. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you feel a need here, but you're not really great at it. And I was just constantly feeling like I was I was like a hamster on a hamster wheel. So I listened to Max and I uh, it was actually we had the conversation here across the hall. And I just and he said, you, you got to you got to just do one thing. And I don't care what it is, but you need to make sure that it is something you're really passionate about. So I went the NFL insider route and I knowing that there were more just of sheer volume, right? Like there were. 53-man roster yeah. yep. compared to 12. Yep. <laughs> more coaches. So much more volume. More opportunity. Yeah. And I knew I wasn't going to get all the A's and B's, but if I could get some of the C's, like the, the mid-level guys, the mid-level contracts, that's valuable. Yeah. And that was what I set out to do last year, and I was able to break some real stories. And then what happened was last spring, I had developed this really good relationship with Gronk and uh, throughout the course of like two years yeah. where – it was nothing about football, really. It was everything about like just developing a friendship. And we had this. You guys have been in my house now. You've seen some of the animals. We have three dogs and a cat here. We're, my wife and me are animal people, right? And I, I love animals. That's like my other mission. I don't eat meat. I'm very animal focused. And so 
we had an opportunity to do something together in the uh, pet space, and we did it. And he really saw, I think, my like genuine love of animals yeah. and helping those who can't be helped. And so when it came down to it, I had said to him, listen, I know you're going to make a decision uh, in the next few months here. And if there's, an ever, if there's ever an opportunity to break the news and you don't want to do it yourself, I would be honored whether or not you retire or come back. This is a year ago. Yeah. And he says, I got you. And it was actually about five or six months had gone by. And I, it's not that I didn't think it was going to happen, but I just know how competitive the space is. Super. And Super. So everyone wants to be first. Everyone wants to be first. And with someone like Gronk who might retire, it's like there's going to be like 30 reporters on this story. You got local beat, national beat. You got everything in between. And he says, uh, he says, I got you. And I, I left it alone. It's always that tough point of do you want to push or not right. push? Absolutely. And with him, I left it alone because I just I had the sense that he was getting hit by everyone. Yeah. And let me just leave it. And what happened was I was it was like a random Thursday or something. And he I think he called me or he texted me and he says, I, I have a decision. And then I think he called me and he says, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to retire. Um, and you can announce it, but I need you to wait 15 or 20 minutes, basically, is what he said. And first of all, I was shocked. I really <laughs> thought he was coming back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you did. Second, I did. And secondly, I thought, because Brady was coming back. Yeah. And secondly, I thought, like, this is going to get leaked. And so when he called, when, when I was on the phone, I was like, I can't, I couldn't believe this was actually happening. Yeah, like, this is it. But now my mind's racing of, if I know, who else knows? Right. Mm. You know, and 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 um, basically what happened was, we get off the, I think, this is a while ago, but I think we, we got off the phone, and like a minute later, I was like, fuck, I, <laughs> this is going to get leaked. I, and right. I think I texted him, and I said, is there any way we can speed up that process? even by like five or 10 minutes. I get something drafted up real quick. Right. Like, yeah. No, I had it drafted. Oh, you already had it? I had it drafted. Okay. <laughs> but what I was hoping was he would say, just go, don't wait the 15, 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. And he says, uh, I think he said, no, we need to wait. And I said, no problem. And then it was like, I don't know, with 30 seconds later, he was like, fuck it. Just, just go. Yeah. I, you got it. Send I got it. you. You got it. You've always had. It was like a really beautiful moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was like, are you sure? And he's like, I'm sure. I'm going to put it out on Instagram. I think he said in like 15 minutes, you go first. Put it out. And it just, it was like an avalanche. Oh, my, my phone. God. Crazy. Yeah. And then he retweeted it too. And on top of that, he said, he said, I don't want you to say source. I want you to say it's from me so people know it's real mm -hmm. and people know that we're, we're boys. And like all of that together, and Gronk, and the, just the validation, it was, it was fucking crazy. In my yeah. phone, I, you know, I've had the opportunity to break some some really cool things, but nothing like that—a Gronk retirement. That's huge. I don't know how it could ever, I don't know how it could, anything could ever come close to that. It was just given the player, the stature, and then the retirement announcement, and for him to say it was coming from him, and I got this, and then he validates it with the retweet. It was like. It was insane. Yeah. It's 100% true. And it, it's yeah. all relationship. Like. It was all relationships. And I, once it settled down, I saw him a couple months later, a few months later, and I said to him, you know, I just wanted to say again, I, re I really appreciate it. And he said, well, you you never pushed. And I, and I thought, God, I, there's so many times where I wanted to reach out. <laughs> you yeah. know, every month you want to reach out. Every few weeks, hey, how's it going? Because I, I I'll reach out, how's it going? But I wasn't saying what's up with the news, you know? And he said, I really appreciate it that you never – pushed the news part of it you just kept the friendship genuine and when it was time i knew you were the guy that's what it's all that about. fucking that was insane and it really validated me and maybe 
like I don't know if it validated me to other people, but that's what it felt like. Yeah. Because after that, it just seemed like all the agents and teams were much more willing to deal with me. Yeah. You know, it only so. it only really takes one thing like in a lot of things in life it only takes one opportunity only takes one yes before everything you know kind of blows up and that was such a sad like you probably satisfied you so much it It was like this is my big break you know how awesome was that for me for you to be like okay like yeah you know i'm howard schultz's son yeah but i'm also jordan schultz and like this is it like i'm doing this now you know like how awesome was that it was it was awesome Yeah. yeah especially because the news was so big that it it hit everywhere. Everyone saw it, and mm-hmm. I think just having my name attached to it mm-hmm. was really validating for me, just selfishly, you know. And I I said to Rob, I saw him at the Super Bowl, you know, a few months back in, in Phoenix, and whenever I see him, I just give him a big hug. I'm just like, <laughs> my dog, yeah, you know. He, he knows. True, He's man. like, I got you, I got you. And I said, you know, uh, I said I, I told him then. I I said, you know, you, you didn't have to do that. And he said, "I know, but I was—it was, it was you know, a great it was friend. The right thing to do. It was it's, a like great getting, it's like getting drafted first round. Your whole life changes overnight. Mm-hmm. Overnight, <laughs> but, but like you feel, people would say overnight success, but you feel like it's not. But it's a compliment because now, so and then I and then I had to balance that with, um, this whole like inner battle of these demons of, well, I I have these innate advantages, and I would have never met Gronk if it wasn't for this, but." I didn't meet Gronk through my pop, and that was really satisfying for me. I met him through other people, other friends, and um, was actually it was actually Jamal Adams, who's a good buddy of mine, and it was his it was it was a connection through him yeah. that I had made on my own, and that was really gratifying for me because again, I didn't want I, there was a point too where I didn't want to meet anybody through my parents mm-hmm. in the sports world. Mm. Anybody else was fine, like if it was a you know, if it was like a Bono, someone they were friendly with. Yeah, that was cool. But if it was a sports, if it was a sports connection, I didn't want that, and I had to balance that, and I still have to. But the fact that it was satisfying it was so satisfying for me because it was through my own connections, you know, and it was a genuine friendship. Being in the media world, you yeah. know, everyone pushes to be first, Always. right? So how do you balance? being first but also being right and mm-hmm. being truthful right so he's like you get a guy like um adam scheffner mm-hmm. right he's built up a, a rapport of like sure. okay when he puts stuff out it's believable People believe it yeah, you know what i'm saying course. so how do you build that type of rapport now with you know the industry that you're in and being first it's, or wanting to be first yeah it's the most important question probably on a day-to-day basis um and i've i've certainly made mistakes i haven't i i i don't want to shy away from mistakes because i know that you'll learn from them um it's really really difficult when there's a few there's a select group of people doing the same thing fighting for the same information and they've been doing it for a lot longer Mm. you know i like i said i've really only been doing it for a year and a half the nfl insider role and as great as the relationships are i might have a good relationship for example with a gm but that that might only be a year or two old, maybe three years. Yeah. Whereas another insider like an Adam maybe has known him since he was a scout. That's just an example, but Damn. those are tough. Yeah, right? that's, a, that's a long period of time. It's, it's tough. And so that's I, I do value the relationships with the less established executives, for example, because you want to help them and then hopefully when they're in a position they can help you and you can have that, that genuine relationship. However, I would say day to day that's probably the hardest thing of being first, being right, 
And then sometimes you think you're first, but you're not first. And you look like an asshole if, if you might put something out and then it's like a few minutes late. But Twitter is so crazy and fast that you didn't see it. And then you have to text that person and they're yep. mad. It's just, it's crazy. It's so hard even, I feel like nowadays, because there's so many beat reporters. There's so, there's so many people. And Twitter in the, is the equalizer. It's yeah. so, there's so many people, like, sometimes you don't even know what to believe. Yeah. You know, or what's true or what's not true. You, you at, Okay, so as folk, are there, how often do you read a report and you instantly think there's this is this is probably not true? Uh, probably. Throughout, honestly, the last time I did that was probably like throughout the Lamar Jackson stuff. I was like, no, that's not true. <laughs> and that was a tough one because he didn't have an agent. Yeah. And the, the Ravens aren't a notorious leaking team. So the information, I always felt like anybody that said, I know exactly what's going on with the Lamar Ravens situation. It was, I was like really hesitant to believe because yeah. I didn't really know what was going on. I felt like I had a not a good viewpoint of it other than just talking to players. Right. So... That was difficult, and that's an example of there was a lot of rumors swirling around with Lamar and the Ravens that came to me, and they were secondhand, and I, there was a few of them that were super juicy that I wanted to put out, but <laughs> I couldn't get it, I couldn't get it validated, verified right. from someone that really would know. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's, that's an example of using your discretion to just to sit mm-hmm. and, and understand it's better to be, to be right than first. I have made mistakes. I have been wrong. I'm sure it'll happen again. Um, but it's really difficult daily, daily to – and during free agency, oh, oh my Oh, that's God. the worst. It's crazy. And nine times out of ten, Plus, I just ask him because he's in it. Yeah, you know he knows. He would yeah. know more than me. I'm in it. And you it, know what I'm saying? The craziest thing is seeing it on Twitter. And you already see, know? And I already know some of the stuff. Like, I'll be <laughs> sitting next to the guy, and I'll see something on Twitter. That's and not be true. Like, that is completely false. There's yeah. some stuff he doesn't even tell me. I'd be like, is this true? And he knows it might be, and he'll wait till it breaks and be like, I knew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, Twitter is the craziest thing. Like, like, there's so many different possibilities. Player X wants this money or these teams or this relationship, and it's, it's, it's oftentimes not true. That's why, honestly, like, the, 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 players, the players always know. I feel yeah. like the players, <laughs> the players know if a guy can play. Yep. The players know if a guy works. Um, that's that's probably the best indication. If you have the validation from the player, it's it's probably a, it's probably right. Yeah, it's like yeah, but that's a tough one, man. That Those, is a tough one. Free agency, when you're like, you're probably on the phone twenty hours, like your screen time, and you're probably sleeping like two or three hours a day. It's like those other, it's just it's off. It's pretty miserable. But it's so gratifying to get the story. Yeah. I was actually going to ask yeah. you that because yeah. every time I open my phone, I see you. So I'm just like, does this dude have it on drafts? Like, you're always posting. <laughs> like, you're always that. working. Yeah, always, like, every yeah. time I open my phone, I see you. Always. So I'm just like, no, he's. I'm on it. Yeah. I don't. I'm the only one running my Twitter feed. Uh, it's all me. There's. Yeah. You'll have stuff drafted. If, you, if you're privy to information about, uh, you know, let's say like, um, trying to think of a. Like, okay. Um. When Paris Campbell was coming to New York, like mm-hmm. I knew he was coming to New York, and so I had it. I had a story written. I had, I had drafts and I had Twitter drafts of different uh, language in the contract. I had everything. <laughs> Fire. <laughs> so when it was time, it was just saying. People yeah. don't appreciate that. Yeah. They don't if, know the I, work. I, I'm gonna show you just just to give you an idea of the drafts in my phone. <laughs> that, go, that goes back look, to the... just look at look at the draft. These are all drafts. It's like oh, just oh, in the wow. bag. Yeah, that's. All the different possibilities. Those are all possibilities <laughs> yeah. of players wow. and teams. There's a couple coaches in there. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. 100%. Stay yeah. ready so you don't have to get like, ready. Like, 
Like that, I'm sitting on that. <laughs> you know, that's, like so I'm sitting on it. Sitting on I it. have the graphic. I wow. have the story. And and it, it, the, the the truth is, there's a pretty decent chance that doesn't even happen. But wow. if it but if it does happen, I'm I want to be ready because those 30 seconds or a minute really matter. And if you look at the timestamps of a reporter of reporter A versus reporter B, if I have it at 4:55 and he has it at 4:57 or she has it at 501 those timestamps matter because yeah. you're, you can you you can definitively say I was first. Yeah. And it matters to me, it matters to fans, it matters to my employer selfishly, so you have to be ready because you really don't know when it's going to happen. It's always at the most random fucking times, dude. Like 11:07 <laughs> p.m. getting ready to go to bed, 5:04 a.m. like you're oh, not even man. up but your phone beeps. Right. So you just you have to be ready. I and hope you guys are listening. There's a lot of work that goes yeah. behind the yeah, scenes. I like, yeah. appreciate the tweet that yeah. they just do. It's a lot that goes a lot on that goes the work behind the yeah. scenes, man. Um, yeah. You know, when all, with all the connections that you've made in the sports world, like who's someone that you've learned a lot from, or just a story that like has always stuck with you about anybody in this industry? Okay, so so a sports story, right? Yeah, that's a good one. Because there's a few that stand out. I'm like. Mm. Something I just had to think about like something you can tell. Yeah, something I can tell, yeah. There's, there's not some good stuff too. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, okay, so something positive in theory from another reporter, right? Anything. It could be anything. anything. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You're just okay. I'm thinking something that yeah. You're like, wow, this that really happened. Okay, that was I think cool. th- this isn't a perfect answer, but when I was probably like 25, and I still was, I still really didn't know who I was in the space. I mean, I don't even think I had. A real job in the industry yet I actually did sit down with Schefter and um, my you know it's important to have an agent in this space yeah and my agent at the time uh, he really was more of a friend I ended up he ended up signing me but at the time he was more of like a an ally he said I think you have potential I'm gonna help you out um, he I think he represented Adam where they were friendly and he sat Adam sat down with me for like 40 minutes and he walked me through how he did it and it meant a lot to me because I was so young and inexperienced and green. And he really showed me, like, here's here's what you need to do. And I remember thinking, like, that's what I want to do, right? Yeah. And I didn't even know I was going to do football. And I didn't even know I was going to do the insider role. But I just remember thinking, like, this is how I want to be. I want to have that. I want to command that level of respect. Um, so that was really good. And I always appreciated Adam for that because he didn't have to do it. Um, trying to think of another... That's dope. What, what was the what was the, re- re-ask the question because maybe I can give you a, a separate like a different answer. Like too. who's someone that you've met or like any story from you know being in the sports industry that all, that has always stayed with you that you're like damn like you know that was that was okay. really cool. Um. Well, so this goes all the way back to my parents, and I I, I don't like <laughs> I typically don't like talking about the stuff with my dad because he, you know, when I was 14, he bought the Sonics. Did you guys know that? Didn't he, know that. Yeah, the didn't NBA that. team. And so I was like, you know, a biggest basketball fan ever. Yeah. My dad says to me when I'm 14, like, I'm going to, this is what I'm thinking about doing. And obviously, you know, I was really excited about it. And, um, he had this idea in his mind that he could, he could mold the Sonics into like how we did with Starbucks mm-hmm. where it was a really relationship driven industry. And it just, I don't know if it was his 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 philosophy or if it was the time in the NBA, early 2000s, but it just didn't work out. It was yeah. it was an utter disaster. And he couldn't, 
come to grips with the fact that the players weren't relating to him and he wasn't relating to the players. Mm. And he wanted, there were a few guys that he developed really good friendships with, but for the most part, it was really hard for him to create that type of culture. And that's a buzzword now culture, but for him, it really, it matters. Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking, this is, this is how badly something can go if you're not prepared. And he, this is one of the big mistakes he made, I think, is he was never really prepared for what owning an NBA team really meant. Yeah. And I think it took him a really long time to figure that out. And even after he sold the team, he probably, it, like, it didn't, it took like a decade plus for him to really come to grips with it. And he wasn't prepared for the first time in his life uh, of what to do when something didn't go the way he wanted it to go. And that really stuck with me because I saw, I also saw how players were being treated by the media and I hated it. Yeah. And I was friendly with a lot of the guys because they weren't that much older than me. You know, I used to like work out with Ray Allen and Rashard Lewis, you know, I was, and I was crazy. a decent player, but I wasn't at, obviously, obviously at their level, but like Ray Allen broke my nose playing basketball. What? Like Ray Allen broke my nose in a one-on-one -on -one game. That's how like tight I was with a lot of these guys. Crazy. And so I got to the point where I'll never forget this. Th this is a dovetail story, but when you remember Rashard Lewis, who's of a really course. good player. Yeah. yeah. Sniper. Yeah, when Rashard Lewis. Yeah, when Rashard Lewis. That's broke. Was yeah. No, that's how. That's yeah, how that's broke. broke. No, that's how. Yeah, he, he's kind of a <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. That's how Rashard Lewis used to yeah. shoot. He was nah, like, up here, if you know yeah. basketball, yeah, yeah. he would nah. That yeah. your shot is broke. If I know we, how if he we play used horse. To shoot, if we play horse, you wouldn't. I'm the best horse. I'm swear. I'm the best horse player. I'm the best horse player. You're a good horse player. Okay. That's it. I can't really. That's all him. No handle. No, but I can shoot all day. Usually football players can't shoot. They're like they're too muscly. I'm tight. Yeah. No, I'm smooth with it. You're okay. So, anyways. Long story short, Richard is negotiating his extension with my dad. I'm probably like 17, 16, and he's coming over to the house, and we're playing horse, and he was getting hammered, though. It, it felt like he was getting hammered for, like, wanting too much money, and I just remember, like, how nasty that negotiation was. And he was really young, too, at the time. He hadn't really gotten paid yet. He was a second-round pick out of high school. And, and I remember him saying, like, you know, it was, it was, it was hard. You know, it was a hard a few weeks, and um, – Anyways, I just remember how negative the media was. And it always felt like, especially in Seattle, the media was out to get the players. Yeah. And they just shit on the players all the time. And my dad, I just he hated that. And I hated it by proxy. And I always thought I could do something. If I was going to pursue this as I got older, I realized I could I could do it the opposite of that. I, yeah. I could do it differently and empower the players. I thought you were going to tell a story about how you worked out with Magic because I think that's the so the Magic. I think that's the coolest <laughs> thing in the world, bro. Like I don't care. I'm going to school, bro. I worked out with Magic Johnson, like. Th but that's not even the best part. So so Starbucks Notorious does not franchise. Yeah, it's everything's company owned, and they were actually the first company in North America to give um, full health care and stock options to full and part-time employees. It was all about what my dad's dad didn't have. And so he he really wanted to create a company that his dad would have been proud to work for. And what happened was, fast forward, they didn't franchise, and there was an opportunity with Magic to franchise a few stores in South Central and go to Compton and Watts and build Starbucks, but Magic Johnson branded Starbucks. Mm -hmm. The thought process being that if there was ever going to be a franchise, it was going to be Magic Johnson in Southern California. Like he's he's a god. He's that guy. Yeah, he's he's that the guy. guy. He is he is the guy. And and what happened was um, through through that relationship with my dad and Magic, 
I got really close to Magic because he, I mean, he he was he was like basketball royalty. Yeah. He yeah. was spending weekends and weeks at my house as a kid. Like Magic, I used to go on runs with the guy, mm-hmm. you know, and we 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 hoop together. Yeah, that's we played, amazing. We played in a three on three tournament <laughs> that's, together. That's crazy. That's and, nuts. Yeah. Could and, you imagine that? Like, go. I really was playing with Magic. And when I was in college, and this is a story again, I probably haven't told, but I. I, and I value the, the relationship with you guys. And I, I've been hesitant to tell the story just because, like, it sounds so spoiled. But when I was in college in L.A., he would take me to UCLA and we work out a poly pavilion for like three hours, just him and me. And he'd shut down the gym, right? Like, mm-hmm. they, they'd be like, whatever you want. And he'd be like, this is my guy. And he'd bring me in. He'd work me out for like two, three hours. And then we'd, we'd go, like, to Whataburger or something. That's like, amazing. After, you know, and, and he so he really... He, he was he was he was at my wedding like he really he invested in you he invested in me yeah and and I think that uh, yeah those those were really special times for me you know I as a kid you don't you don't truly know like how crazy that is you know it's like crazy but <laughs> when you're that young yeah. 15 16 and you're so immersed in yeah. the lifestyle that I was fortunate enough to have I don't think I truly realized like how special that was at the time it's an amazing story yeah. it's probably one of the best stories i've ever heard yeah. which yeah. one do you like better that or the ray allen because ray allen legitimately shattered my fucking nose <laughs> like ray blood allen, gushing i had to go to emergency room the nah, ray allen ray story is hard because that means he was going he was going hard you know how, like, he was going hard he was going hard, you know, hard. You know, you know, when you play yeah. with nba players they'd yeah. be like oh, yeah, they just fuck around. Yeah. Yeah. He like, he, uconn if he's you breaking know. your yeah. nose bro that means like he had you in the post and he was he hit you with one of these yeah so like so jail ball so the real the real what happened was Super quick, I'll tell you. It was um, Seafair Weekend in Seattle, which is where the the Blue Angels, the F-18s, come and fly. It's it's a it's an air show. Yeah. It's awesome. It's the biggest weekend of the year. First weekend of August every year in Seattle. It's perfect weather. Ray Allen came over to the house because my dad owned the team, and he invited him over, and he had 15 friends with him. It was like a beautiful day. Yeah. And I'm 19 now. And now I'm in college, and I'm in great shape, and yeah, I'm strong. Yeah. you ready. And I'm ready. And I had worked out with him 30 times, but I had never – it had been a while, and he was, oh, you got kind of big, and I was like, do you want to play? Yeah. And he's like, well, we have a few other people here. Do you want to play twos? I was like, no, let's play cutthroat, which is like rotating one-on-one. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so we're playing a seven, and I had game point, and I was yapping. You saw talking, oh, you was talking, talking shit. You was talking talking shit. There were a lot of people there, and I was a little bit, you yeah, know. Yeah, you feeling yourself, yeah. yeah. And he was like, he was like, he, he, he was like, are you sure you want to go there? Like, to me? And I was like, come on, like, let's yeah, go. come I'm on. I'm playing with you, boy. I'm and here. So right. He locked me up. And then he had it. He had check. And I was actually guarding him. And I was really guarding him tight. And it was game point. And I was like, you can't lose in front of all your friends here. Right. And he, he like, did a really – you know, NBA players have really sharp elbows. He just ripped through with the ball. Elbow first. And that's – and it just – my oh. nose shattered. <laughs> oh my and I had to go to the emergency room. It was, it was insane. There were so many people blood down. Blood everywhere. Everywhere. Oh, my wow. God. Like, like, my girl was there. Like Dang. her friends were there, my best friend was there. They were like, "Oh my god, your nose!" But at least you like, didn't lose, though. You went out. And- I I technically didn't lose. You, didn't lose. you went out on your shield. Yeah. You would have beat. And, and here's the best part. Ray sent me up the next day or the next week. He was like, he was calling me. He was like, I feel so badly. He's like, I just sent you something. He's like, check the mail. And it was a, I don't know if you remember the PSP. It was like a PlayStation oh, yeah, portable. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was like NBA on. Live 06 with Ray on the cover. Oh. And he's like, this will help you out over the next few weeks. So That's I got amazing. a PSP and a Ray That's crazy. You know, you, to this point, you've had an amazing story. Yeah. You know, if you had to describe your life to this point in one word or phrase, 
what do you think it'd be? I would say um, otherworldly blessed would be the the two words. Just because, like, you know, I talked about my parents and my dad having, like, one-on-one success. But by, by proxy, my experiences have been shaped by their success because of the financial impact, you know, the, the, the resources. Yeah. So going to private school, not having to like work, not having to like worry about, am I getting, am I, am I getting enough money to pay rent? You know, um, can I get, can I, can I send my kids, can I afford to send my kids to really good schools? Mm -hmm. Um, man, just like simple things that you might take for granted traveling across the country to an event you know knowing that i had the means to afford mm-hmm. to do that um going to nice dinner these are just i've been so blessed that and it's 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 nothing that i i didn't earn that and so i'm just super conscious and as we were saying earlier early on in the conversation right like i'm so conscious of how that could be perceived that again like when i was saying i almost wanted to change my name. There was a time where I was not going out ever and not spending any money because I felt like so ashamed of it. So I don't think I'll ever like fully be comfortable with it, but this is probably the most comfortable I've been with who I am because it's taken, I mean, I'm 37 now. I'm yeah. I've really it's taken me a long time to understand it, but otherworldly blessed for the sole reason that I was born into it. I didn't earn any of it. And now it's, it's really on me to earn my own and make my own career. You know, man, I respect that. Your man. humility and yeah. like your approach to life is so crazy because yeah. 99.98% of people in your yeah. situation would act completely different, but yep. just, you're yeah. just a regular guy, you know, yeah. you treat everyone else like pre- a regular I, guy. I like I you appreciate treat the mailman yeah. like the CEO. Yeah. You so know? Yeah. so, yeah. Gra- so really, grateful. I'm really grateful because I, I, yeah, I just think that's, that's probably how I was, I mean, it is how I was raised. Yeah. And, um, I was trying to think back to like something I did wrong where I was like a brat, you know, and how my parents corrected me. And I'm sure there were things that happened where I didn't recognize it at the time, but like my, my parents, my mom really would say to me, like, you don't want to be, these kids like at the school i went to yeah. right right <laughs> these are the kids you see it every day of what not to do right yeah you don't want to do that and so just you know stay true to yourself and, and to our values and try to keep in mind that you know we had to work really really hard to get to this point so that you could have a better life but but also so that you could appreciate it and you can now you can now help um and you could make an impact i oftentimes i think to myself like given the resources that I grew up with and that I have, could I be doing and should I be doing something that's like more meaningful, right? Because you, sports journalism is kind of a selfish field. You're doing it because you love basketball or football. Yeah. I'm not necessarily like, I'm not really making anybody's life like better. <laughs> better. You know? I know what you mean. I know what you it's mean. It's a selfish thing to do in a sense. And and so that that goes back to trying to, okay, so I, this is what I want to do. I, I do want to be great at this. But I also have a responsibility that comes with what my parents achieved, which is it's not just like writing checks, but it's it's showing up and really making an impact. When when my dad was still at Starbucks, he you know he just re-retired. They used to do these job fairs where they would go and they'd get all these Fortune 500 companies and really run down areas 
to basically hire kids that would never have gotten hired because they wouldn't have been exposed to it. And if you weren't educated, they were going to help you get into school. It was, it was really like awesome. And so I went to one in DC and there was this kid that was like really struggling, you know, probably like 19, this is probably six or seven years ago. He was really struggling. And he, he asked me like, how did, how did you get here? And I said to him, well, you know, this is actually my parents and I didn't really, you know, I didn't do this. And he, he was so taken aback by the fact that I was going to, I was spending my time and I was so taken aback by him being affected by it. And it really stuck with me. And I, to be honest, I don't know what happened to the kid. I tried to help him for 30 minutes or whatever it was, but I was so like, I left feeling so proud of the fact that he was so touched by me being there when like I didn't have to. Anyways, I really want to impact people in a way that is, uh, is meaningful. So day to day, it's like, it's really trying to empower athletes, but on a bigger scale, I still don't think I've really found my purpose of really what, what it is beyond just the sports. Cause I'm, I'm very singular focused. Like I, it's every day you're in this field. We talked about the phone, yep. the usage, you don't have a lot of time to, to really focus on other, anything else. Cause yeah. if you really want to be great, like anything else, you have to really focus on that one thing. So at some point I'm going to have to find that. I haven't, I haven't found it yet. Well, you've already made an impact on me, man, just yeah. from this. So don't, yeah. uh, for real. Well, um, well, I'm curious, what's your guys' goal with the pod? Because you've obviously had some success now. You're growing. You're still learning. But what do you really want to, like, let's five years down the road. Well, you- well, I, he can speak for himself. But I think for me personally speaking, when I had this podcast idea in my mind and when I was talking. Was your idea? No, well, it, it was our okay. idea together. But just like we used to talk about it all the time. But from a selfish standpoint, I wanted to have a platform to give people the opportunity to really be their true authentic self and show the world that you know guys from like saquon or guys like you know you and your upbringing or taylor rooks like they go through real shit you know that people go through real shit like it's not all roses people watch tv and think these guys are you know what i'm saying like we're humans right and i feel like you know media and podcasting a lot of days there's so many interview uh, there's so many shows that just like i don't get anything from watching the show it's just noise it's noise so i think no that was one of my goals just like I want people to be heard and I want these people to like, I want to impact people. So I want to use this platform to impact people. And I want the people on here and people listening to be like, damn, I can relate to what you just said or what say said or what miles said. I think that in itself, they will live on forever. Cause it's something you could take away That's from. A great point. Yeah. yeah. I, I love that. Especially yeah. having that vision this early on understanding <laughs> this is what I want to accomplish from the podcast is going to serve you really well. Yeah. I think yeah. a lot of people see like, famous people as like kind of superheroes superheroes right? that's so a great like, we have a great personal relationship with so many people who are seen as superheroes but when you put them in a setting like this and they can be themselves it's almost like people see like transparency they see like oh this person went through this this person was depressed after he tore his acl you know i've been depressed before i can make it through this you know i can catch my second wind doing this and second like win. Yeah, you know sir. there's so many there's so many like podcasts where people get on there they don't even prepare they just shoot the shit and it's like I feel like people don't get anything like what he what he said. Like people don't get anything out of that. So I'm like, when people listen to our show, they know we're not gonna ask about your girlfriend. You're not. We're not gonna ask about any like drugs, sex. We're not gonna ask about anything like that. Like they know when they get on this. Sh- like when people get on this show, they're gonna hear people who are resilient and people who made it through something and people who caught their second win and are doing something that they, that they love, you know? So that's a great point. You know, that's really, that's really my goal for this whole thing. So, so in essence, 
you, you almost want to. Do you think it's uh, specific to athletics sports? No, I, I think second wind is for anyone. Yeah, like that's the that's. I think that's the next. That's our, that, and that's why I think differentiates us from everyone else. Like it's not you. Know, you can't put second wind in a box. Second wind can be. The random guy walking yeah. on the street. Second win can be Anyone. you. Second win can be the NFL quarterback. Yeah. Everyone catches a second win. You know what I mean? I've That's caught life. many Maybe. wins in life. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm catching yeah. my second win right now. Do what I'm doing. You know, from playing football my whole life. So and finding a new passion. Second yeah. wind is yeah. for everyone. And I think like yeah. our big goal is like obviously we have people who are well known on the podcast, but we want to build it to where to the point where people don't listen or watch because because yeah, it's a well-known person because it's a well-known yeah. person you yep. want to be able to get anybody on here and yeah. be like listen i was a felon and now i have my first apartment yeah. and i'm making life. decent money that's my second win you know i want people to be able to get on here and we have a big enough platform where they can hear anything and be like wow like that was a really really cool story you know what i mean <laughs> so 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 like if you're trying to get you obviously have a list of here's who we think we can get here's what we want at some point that list will you have to expand it, and then how does that? What's that process? Um, Honestly, uh, word of mouth. It's one of those things. Maybe word of mouth, or we ask a friend. Um, we ask, ask me. <laughs> yeah, my guy. I mean, yeah. one thing that I always say, and that we always say, is anybody is one person away. Way. So it's like, yeah. you know, everyone like. I know someone that yeah, knows that, somebody yeah. that know somebody. can contact yeah, them. That's you know, true. The right. worst thing they can say is no. And if they say no, then, you know, no problem. But yeah. we'll, we'll meet the you knows, down the road. The no is like, um, how would I say this? Getting told no is being okay with that is so important. It's almost like being okay with failure. Yeah. Right. And understanding that failure is just another step toward your next level of success. No is, no is just another opportunity for someone to say yes. Um, this show is called The Second Wind, and like I said, the, for the viewers watching this, hopefully, I know they've learned a lot already, but yeah. um, we want them to take away something from everyone that we've had on here. So what advice would you give to you know people watching that you know, maybe, maybe want to be the next you or yeah. want to be in the field that you are in, but what advice would you just give? I would say, um, well, I, the failure thing is good, but taking it a step further, I would just say, It, it really is crazy and also awesome in the sense that, like, everything does come full circle. Yep. And it's just dope to me that you, 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 you can meet someone and have a relationship with somebody. And then years later, that can come back in the sense of, like, hey, I was with this guy and he knows you and he's, he says you're, you're okay. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you never know when or how that relationship and that interaction with this person who maybe you don't even know that well, but you never know how that's going to affect you. So I would just say keeping things as genuine and respectful as possible and never burning a bridge. And I listen, I have burned bridges because I've been so insulted by something that somebody did to me. Mm. But I but that's I feel like that's more like young Jordan. Like now I really try <laughs> to keep it above board. Trust and, me, I'm with and, you, brother. Yeah. And I'm like, with you. Because you get so angry. angry. Right, right, yeah, right. So insulted by the lack of respect. But you also realize that these relationships are going to come full circle. And and I think in my business, in, in the insider business, but really in any other business, it is everything is relationship driven. So the more genuine and less transactional, the better it's going to be for you and for that person that hopefully you have genuine intentions for. So I, I think it really, I would just say relationships, man, like 
and 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 grow them, nourish them, develop them, and go in with the understanding that there is a there is a chance that this person's not going to be interested, or maybe they're be interested in six months or whatever it is. But never take no as a as a as a definite. Yeah. Like I can't tell you how many in my example how many stories I've broken because I just kept pursuing it. You know, and, and, and I mentioned the Gronk thing earlier, like knowing when to show restraint. There's certain times where you just want to keep pushing and and show how relentless you are and competitive you are because you really want you want to break through, right? And I think so. I, I guess the, the pillars would be genuine friendships, relationships, don't burn a bridge, and then persistence. Because like anything, if it is worth doing, you know, there's other people that are really talented and they're going to be doing the same thing, and they believe that they deserve it just like you do. And so, man, it's one thing to have like the self-confidence to be like, I deserve this, but it's even more important to be like, here's what I'm going to do about it. And I'm going to do it the right way. See, now I feel bad for texting you all the time. Texting you. No, No, but see, that's that's a perfect example. Like there might've been a couple of times where I didn't text back because top of mind, I was like, I'm going to, I don't know, or let me hit him later. And then I might've forgotten, but it wasn't malicious, but you you reminded me right i had an example and i'll, I'll show you the, the the text chain uh off camera but i had an example with a gm a couple weeks ago that i've been developing a relationship with and i we're, we're friendly he he won't give me stuff yet though like yeah. i know that but he will because he's told me i'm going to help you out he said to me something along the lines of i really appreciate that you just kept on me because i like I probably haven't given you the time of day. Like he really hasn't, or he didn't for a while, but I just kept on him. And I knew that if I stayed on him because of the uh, persistence, it would eventually pay off. And I guess, or I had to believe that worst case, he would just say to fuck off, but you have to, you got to keep pushing. Keep pushing. Yeah. 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 And, I'm, and, I'm so and, a believer in that. And it's really important. And so, no, I was never, oh, thank dude, you not, should, <laughs> thank there you. are certain people that I've texted so many times and eventually you just you're like you, you do get the picture, yeah. but I would never feel upset with that. Thank you so much, no, man. man. But we, I listen. I, this has been such a great experience, an honor, man. bro. It's like honor the stories to that you told, it. and like some stories I haven't told before. Uh, I appreciate you, appreciate that. you, man. <laughs> you're like you know, uh, for me, it's I feel really, really it's a little ther- cathartic for me. Locked in, man. Yes, sir. Look, everyone watching, like. Comment, subscribe, subscribe, go tell your grandma, go tell your auntie, go tell your pet fish, go tell anybody. Literally. Repost. We got Mr. Jordan Schultz on the show, and he gave some fire answers. The best in the business. Please listen to what he was saying. He was dropping some great gems in there. Please like, subscribe, like my man said. Thank you for tuning in. No, I appreciate you having me. It means a lot. I loved it, and I I, I thoroughly enjoyed this, so thank you. Thank you. Second one, family. We out.